You are now listening to Shades of Jay, the podcast, a podcast created to empower spiritual growth and build confidence for the everyday believer. This is also for the entrepreneurial Christian trying to find balance between business and kingdom, even for the non-believer with an open mind and hopes to becoming one. Being a follower of Christ's has its many stereotypes. We're here to break out of those religious boundaries without watering down the gospel. Join myself, Aaliyah J, and special guests every Wednesday as we start the conversation. Welcome to Shades of J. Hello, everybody. I am Aaliyah J, and you are, of course, listening to Shades of J, the podcast. Like I always like to say, if you are new here, welcome to the family. Please, please, please follow us on Instagram. That's where you can get all updates and details and just learn more about us. You can find us on Instagram at shades.jay. And if you are already part of the family or you've listened to an episode before, welcome back. Today's episode is entitled Milk and Honey. And I'm really excited for this teaching because it definitely blessed me as I was studying. The three topics we'll be covering today are praying with intent, remembering what we've prayed for, and last but certainly not least, being still and trusting as we wait on God. And so the book I'll be coming out of today mainly is the book of Genesis, which is the beginning, which is really excites me. I'm really like an Old Testament girl. I love the Old Testament so, 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 so much just because I like to understand how, you know, the root and then what came from there. And so today, um, and in this season, honestly, I feel like the the spirit has been dealing with me a lot in regards to being faithful and, and faithful to God and just remembering what I've prayed for and showing me how to be still. Now, here's the thing. When we pray something, it really is important to make sure that you are praying with intent. Now, when I say pray, of course, prayer sounds a lot like, dear God, hey God, um, you know, however you want to pray. But prayer can also be things you don't even speak on. It can be those things within your heart that no one knows. They just rest and lie in a secret place. And the awesome thing about God is he is an all-knowing God. And so even when you're not verbally asking these things, those things that are stored in your heart that God knows is there, he answers to as well. So it is very, very, very important to be intentional with what you're asking God for. Because if you're asking for something that either maybe you're not ready for, or maybe you're praying amiss, and I think I've talked about praying amiss before, praying amiss could just be, hey God, I need some money. Hey God, I want a boat. Hey God, I want a new Mercedes Benz. It's very much praying amiss because what, although that might make you happy, how are you? benefiting your brothers and your sisters in Christ, right? And so in the beginning, going back uh, to Genesis, this would be, uh, we're going to be talking about Abraham. And Abraham is the first, what I like to call founding father of the generations to come. And literally, it is actually exactly that. So in the beginning, there was a covenant with Abraham. And the covenant was tied to a promise. Now, keep in mind covenants with God will always be tied tied to some type of a promise every single time and just by definition um let's get the definition covenant by definition is an agreement and so Abraham God came to Abraham and he made covenant with Abraham but in Genesis 12 chapter 12 verse 1 God makes a promise to Abraham and this promise was that he was going to bless Abraham and create many nations and generations from Abraham and of course at the time Abraham um was an older man okay and being an older man he's like huh you're going to bless me you're what like how are you gonna make I am of old age what do you mean you're gonna make generations and and I'm gonna have all these kids because this is the thing when God makes us a promise 
we can't foresee what is to come, which is a, it, it, it's beautiful because I feel like when God makes promises, he's a, he's a big God. And so his promises are filled with abundance, more life. They're beautiful. You can't, I can't even actually with the English, English language articulate truly God's promises because honestly, it's just so amazing what God can do. But understand that when he makes a promise with you, usually there's some type of covenant tied to that promise. Not always, but usually. And again, a covenant is just an agreement. Over in Genesis 15, four through five, God makes covenant. So he promised Abraham first, then he became in an agreement with Abraham. And, you know, one of the beautiful things about Abraham was that he believed God. At first he was kind of like, huh? But then eventually with his faith and Abraham was a faithful servant of God, by the way, he believed God. And that was actually accounted to him uh, for righteousness. So that's very important to know. And in Genesis 17, the Lord illustrates his sign of covenant to Abraham. Again, you can find this all in Genesis. And so where am I going with this? Okay. So God makes us a promise, right? And you might be down and out. Things might not be going great. Things might not be going your way, whether this is mentally, financially, physically, spiritually, psychologically, whatever it is, right? God's making you a promise. Now, this is the problem that I myself, so I'm not talking at you, I'm, 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 ta- I'm talking to us, that, that, that we have, right? So again, this is going back to that praying with intent. So we just kind of ask God of these things. And I'll use myself as an example. I told God back in 2018, winter 2018, told him that I was tired of being alone. Now I have no idea what I'm asking for, right? It is written that this Holy Spirit will actually intervene, that the Spirit will actually um, intercede on your behalf. And so what that means is it'll ask for things that you yourself might not even know that you're asking, but because the spirit knows what you need and what you want, it intercedes, right? So I told God I was tired of being alone. I vividly remember not even being dramatic. I fell on my face. I was crying. I'm just like, I'm just so sick of this. Like I just felt so alone. Like I literally was physically alone, but the mental part of loneliness is just, it was too much for me. I did not pray with intent. Matter of fact, to be honest, I I was almost just kind of like me. I wasn't making a declaration. I was just kind of talking, just venting, you know. You don't have to have these elaborate prayers, by the way. Whatever in your heart, if it's pure and you're asking with pure heart, God will hear you. His, His goodness will hear you. And so two weeks later, I meet a man who eventually introduces me to the entire life that I live today. The gospel teaches me about Christ. Of course, I knew who God was, but that's it. I only knew who God was. Like, okay, there there is a God. That's cool. But I had no actual relationship. I had no foundation. I had nothing whatsoever at all with with God and, and my spirituality. I really wasn't like a person who was tapped in or in tune with her spirit, right? And so I asked and I prayed and I prayed without intent. Although, in my opinion, my outcome turned turned out great, it could have went a different way. Um, I'm not going to say luckily, I don't believe in luck, but blessfully, it's not even a word. For me, it did turn out great because now I do have this relationship with God and he sustains me in all my weight. Like the way that my life has drastically changed from giving it to Christ, I can't even like really put into words how grateful I am. However, in that moment, in being desperate, I was desperate saying, I'm tired of being alone. God, I don't want to be alone. You know, it's, you got to be careful with that because God may have someone for you, but it may not be in that in that right time. So being desperate causes us to do certain things we really don't need to be doing, right? We go places, we entertain certain people or situations that we really need not to entertain. Again, blessfully, that was not my outcome, but that praying with intent, 
It's key. And so going back to Abraham, now Abraham's son is Isaac and Isaac's son is Jacob. And for those of you who may not be too familiar with uh, the Bible or Genesis or just anything at all in regards to the word of God, a quick synopsis is that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I uh, would reference them as being the founding fathers of the house of Israel and then so on and so forth. Now the children of Israel, for those of you who do not know, were God's chosen people in the beginning. Okay. And so when God goes to Abraham and he makes this promise to him and he promises him that he is going to make his name great amongst many nations, this is exactly what you begin to see as you read the Bible, um, as you read on and on, literally from start to finish, honestly. And so Jacob, whom is Isaac's son, his name eventually gets changed changed to Israel. Jacob had 12 sons and those 12 boys became the 12 tribes, if you will, of Israel. So it's very important to note that, okay? Because they are extremely relevant to the Old Testament. And really they are the foundation of what the rest of the Bible is all about, okay? And so over in Exodus, we are introduced to Moses. Now, Moses, Moses, excuse me, is a servant of the Lord. He's a prophet. He is whom helps. Let me stop. Let me take it back. I'm getting ahead of myself. So over in Exodus, God remembers his promise to Abraham. Okay. And what I mean by that is, is that eventually Abraham is dead and gone. Rest in peace to his soul. At this point in Exodus, the children of Israel are currently in bondage over in Egypt. They are enslaved by the Egyptian king. They are being mistreated. They are being mishandled. They are being treated horribly, okay? They literally were slaves. And so eventually the king of Egypt, he passes away and the children of Israel begin to cry. Or at the time, they weren't the children. No, 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 at the time. They were the children of Israel. They began to cry out just out of pain and agony. And God hears their cry just as he hears your cry, just as he hears mine. So if you don't think that God hears you when you're in these dark spaces, he does. Again, he's an all-knowing God. Thank you, Lord. He hears their cry and he, and it literally says, remembered his promise to Abraham. So immediately, God appears to Moses. And he lets Moses know, I want you to be the one who, by obviously my spirit in my hand, leads my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt to a land flowing full of milk and honey. Now, I want to stop right there because the first thing I want to cover is where is your Egypt? Remember, I just said that Egypt for the children of Israel at that time was not the place to be because they were slaves, literally. And when you're a slave, no one cares for you. You have no rights. You have no freedom. It's pretty much inhumane how you're treated, obviously, right, as a slave. And so you're in bondage, mentally you're in bondage, spiritually you're in bondage, physically you're in bondage, psychologically you're in bondage. And so where is your Egypt? So I'm going to actually, by definition, pull up the actual definition of bondage and it literally means the state of being a slave what are you currently a slave to because see people think that i'm not a slave slavery's been abolished since forever now at this point and of course me being black i mean a black woman we all know as black people how that feels but Today's message isn't just 
for African-American people. It's for anyone who's listening to this. Where is your place of bondage? Where is that place where you so desperately need deliverance from? Where is the place that's holding you back, holding you down, not bringing you happiness, but destruction, not bringing you peace, but bringing you everything but that? Where is that place? I want you to really sit and think, and, and you can be in bondage in more than in one area of your life. So here we have it. God remembers his, his people. His, he remembers his promise that he made to Abraham, that he was going to make Abraham's uh, name great amongst many nations. So when he tells Moses this, Moses is like, uh, no. Moses tells God, I, I'm not the one. I am not good in speech. I stutter. And you want me to go lead a group of people out of one of the most pristine at that time. You got to understand Egypt at that time was very wet. They had great wealth. And of course, it was a very demonic place, but they had great wealth. They were very, very established, if you will. You want me to take people from these people? What? I can only imagine what was going through Moses' head. But here's the thing. When God has a promise, God does not go back on his promise. Ever. Ever. Ever, never. And we, again, myself included, the first step to this entire episode, if you will, or task is identifying your place of bondage and understanding or knowing God's promise for your life. Everyone has a promise tied to their life. Everyone. But this is why it's extremely key to have a personal relationship with God. Because without a personal relationship you may not even know what promise God has tied to your life you might not know so that's key now eventually Moses does as he is asked and he goes and to give you Moses little backstory on Moses he was actually um, a shepherd, if you will, he would be in charge or tend to the flock. And this is amazing because what I love about God is God takes, and my first lady says this all the time, your worldly either strengths or talents, and he flips it for the kingdom and the work of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, that is, for it the betterment of the kingdom. So here you have it in the world. Moses is actually a uh, a man that tends to the flock. He's a shepherd, right? And so just like the disciples, and this is kind of going off course a little bit, but as Jesus approaches the disciples, before the disciples even knew who Jesus was, I believe it was Peter and someone else, they were fishermen. And what do fishermen do? They go out, they fish, they have to cast nests at that time. And, you know, you, you get all the fish and you pull them out of the water and blah, blah, blah. And so we go on, you eventually see what the disciples go on to do. So again, God using their worldly attributes, flipping it for the greater good of the, for the greater good of the the kingdom of God. And so going back to Moses, you know, although he stuttered, he actually knew how to keep herds of sheep together. If, and one thing about sheep is if they don't have a, if they don't have a shepherd, they will run amok. They all go and many different directions okay it's the same thing in the spirit right it's the same thing with at this time the children of israel they didn't have anyone or at least they didn't feel like they had anyone there on their behalf to lead them right so eventually moses does do as god had asked and he has to now get these people god's people and if you know you know uh, you don't mess with god's people not his chosen people Uh uh-uh because this is the thing these people are tied to a promise These people are descendants of Abraham. 
Abraham was one of God's anointed. It is written that you don't touch God's anointed. And so here we have these descendants lost, hurting, oppressed. And on their on on the way, they didn't know this. There was a song, it might look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. They didn't know that God had already tied a promise to their life. He's on the way. But going from Egypt to the land flowing with milk and honey or of to a land flowing of milk and honey was not going to be an easy task. It's going to be a process. And I don't know about y'all. I don't like the process. Okay. I don't like it. I don't like it today. I don't like it tomorrow. I don't like it in the midst. The process is painful. The process, it sucks. The process is not a fun place to be. The process is uncomfortable. The process will have you feel like, what is going on? Why can I not? How can I not? God, I can't. God, I can't do this no more. I can't see. I can't think. The process is not a fun place. An example of process is the way a diamond is created it has to go through a lot of pressure right but at the end of the pr the process of making a diamond you have something beautiful in the end that's what god does with us daily we may not know but this is it this is the process and so the process of getting from where they were currently to where they were going to go oh it wasn't going to be easy so if you are listening to this and there's a, you know, let's, there's a, there's a promise tied to your life. God has a promise tied to your life, whether you know it or not. Understand that there's a process that has to take place because in process, you are being prepared. In process, you are being tested. In process, you are being stripped. But in process, you're on the way to something better. Eventually, now, remember I said the children of Israel called out to God and he heard their cry. So a call out, a cry, a complaint, that to me is a prayer within itself. You think prayer, you think it has to be these elaborate big words, but that's not true. You, you saying out loud or within you without even announcing it, I am hurting or I am in pain or I am sick of this. I am tired of this because of who God is in his heart and his goodness. He hears that. And so you have to be mindful of one, what you're putting into the atmosphere, two, what you're harboring in, in your heart and what you're thinking about, because eventually, just maybe these things will come to pass. But the children of Israel, you see, they forgot what they had asked for. And I'm actually literally going to pull up the scripture so you guys can hear what the children of Israel said to, to God when they were seeking peace, comfort, all of that. Let me pull it up. Just bear with me. So here we are. I'm in Exodus 3. Oh, no, I am not in Exodus. All right, here we go. So actually, Moses is born in Exodus 2. And eventually he's going to go on, like I stated earlier, all that he's going to do. So right here, it says, now Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Herob, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. 
So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to reread what that says. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. I'm going to continue on, but before I do, please know and understand that God does hear your cry. So if you are in the midst, and I'm not even saying this to be dramatic, I'm not just saying this as a cliche, I'm saying this with genuine, pure intent of heart. God hears your cry. It actually said, it literally said that he heard their cry and he knows their sorrows. These, this is big because just like me, at the time when I called out to God, I didn't even necessarily have a relationship with God and I didn't really too much believe in him like that. I didn't have, I just was like, I'm tired. And in that moment, God heard my cry and he knew my sorrow. God could do a lot with the little, never doubt him. So then he goes on to explain, so I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them from a land to a good land, to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, (laughs) has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Boom. So, in Genesis, God made a promise to Abraham. Abraham didn't get to live long enough. I mean, Abraham lived a long life. Let me not even, Abraham lived a nice, long, long life. But Abraham did not get to live long enough to see the promise that God had made to him be fulfilled. And these are certain things that we have to take into account. God might have a promise tied to your life. God may have promised you something, but maybe just maybe this promise is not meant necessarily just for you, but for the generations to come after you. So it's important to fight the good fight and to stand for something, to stand and to believe in what you pray for. It's important to be intentional with your prayer because what you pray for may just be enough or maybe the, the 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 prayer that allows your family to have a better life and not just you so sometimes these promises we don't even get to see ourselves because abraham he didn't get to see it he actually quite probably didn't understand necessarily what god even meant by you're going to make my name great amongst many nations not realizing the amount of generations that would come from him So like I said earlier, God's promise for our lives will be cemented and always will be cemented on a solid foundation. Abraham was the foundation in this case. Isaac eventually inherits all that Abraham had. Now Isaac is the son of Abraham again. Jacob becomes the forerunner of this promise. So the promise actually wasn't even revealed to Abraham, nor to Isaac, nor to Jacob. So this is just it. The promise might not be revealed to you or your kid, or maybe not even your kid's kid, not to say it won't or it can't. But in this example right here, and this is just important to note, that the three founding fathers, the promise wasn't even revealed to them. 
However, Abraham was the foundation of promise. Isaac inherits the promise. And Jacob, whose name becomes Israel, becomes a forerunner for the promise because Abraham, or I'm sorry, Jacob actually has the, the, the 12 boys who established the 12, tri 12 tribes of Israel. And the 12 tribes of Israel are who cry out to God eventually because of their oppression. Now, I stated earlier, God doesn't forget his promise. We might forget what we prayed and asked for, but God's not going to forget his promise. God's not going to forget what you're crying about. God's not going to forget your pain. God's not going to forget what he heard and what he hears. And that's just a blessing about God is that he doesn't forget. And he will never go back on what he has promised. So three things to ask yourself. Well, not even to ask yourself, but as I asked earlier, what has God promised you? Now, the issue with that is you might be sitting here thinking, I, I don't even know what God has promised me. Or you asked or prayed for something, but you may not necessarily, like you just, you, you forgot, right? Think of a time where you were in a very dark place. Now think of a time, uh, think of how, you're no longer in that place. Again, you might not be where you want to be, but you're much, you're much happier. Things are much lighter. I'm at, you're out of that relationship. You're out of that marriage. You're out of that uh, feeling of being oppressed to that woman or to that man or to that job or to that business, to that feeling or to that emotion. You're out of that. But once upon a time, there was a time where things were just dark and you didn't know which way was up. You didn't know which way was down. You didn't even know if the sky was blue. You were so depressed. You were so oppressed. You were so down bad that you couldn't even think straight. Think of a time like that. But now how you've overcome such a thing, okay? And so we, just being human, we forget there was a time we were oppressed or there was a time we were really going through something really heavily, very extremely bad. And then, you know, life gets good because see, when life is good, it's easy to forget what, you know, what, what used to be. I always tell God, God, keep me humble. Keep me in a place where if I start to get haughty and haughty means cocky, acting like I got myself. If you've ever heard my past episodes, I always talk about my testimony. My testimony being that I was um, in a psychiatric hold facility because I was so depressed that I tried to take my own life. So God, don't let me forget where I came from. Now, the only time I always say this, the only time I want to look back is to see how far I've come or if I feel like I can't do it anymore. I always like to, you know, and thank God for this. God didn't bring me this far just to bring me this far. The problem with the children of Israel is that, and if you ever read their story, for those of us who are familiar, we know, but if you haven't, the problem with the children of Israel is that they always forgot. They didn't remember. Like literally they always forgot. God always did something for them. He always blessed them. By day he was um, uh, uh, the cloud that they would follow. And by night he was, a uh, the, 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 I believe the pillar fi of fire, but he's leading them through the wilderness place because eventually the children of Israel are stuck in what we like, what I like, what is called the wilderness place. And this can still be a place today. Spiritually, you're in a space or a place that just feels like a wilderness, very cold, very lonely, very dark. So again, they get stuck there for 40 days and 40 nights because they kept forgetting what God had did for them. I mean, here it is. God's taking you out of slavery, out of this oppression. And the whole time you're complaining. There was a point where the children of Israel said, God brought us here to kill us pretty much. We would rather go back to our slave masters because the wilderness place, which i.e. the process, it's too much. Think about it, us, we as humans, you know, we like to be comfortable. I like to tell people get comfortable with being uncomfortable because if you want real growth, if you want real change, you got to get out of that boo. Because if you in a space where it's uncomfortable, you should actually be jumping for joy because this means change is coming. Yay, cheer up. But no, sometimes just like the children of Israel, we want to go back 
to that oppression. Because this newness, this new feeling of I don't really know what's going on. I don't know where we at, God. I I don't like it because I'm so uncomfortable. I would rather go back to that relationship because that's comfortable. That comfortable toxicity is better than this unfamiliar peace. That's how we be. That was the children of Israel's problem. And you can only imagine how irritated Moses had to have been. I know I would have been irritated. It doesn't say Moses was irritated. But I would have been irritated. Like, are you kidding me? Because again, he has to lead these people. He's on assignment. He is assigned to these people. Because like I said, God's not going to forget his promise that he made. I know I keep saying that over and over. I know y'all like, Aaliyah, okay, we get it. God, don't forget his promise. We got it. But y'all, we don't. Because we always seem to forget where God has taken us from. Or, or you got the people who say stuff like, I remember there was a time where, but I got myself out of and did it, taking God's glory. What? You think you got yourself out of that situation? Please, let me speak for myself. If it was up to Aaliyah Taylor, she would have stayed in that sad relationship that depressed her. She would have stayed friends with people who didn't like her. She knew they didn't like her, you know, and they drove her nuts. It was a toxic situation. She would, I would have stayed, I'm speaking to third persons, in that situation if it was up to me. But the way that God works is when he sees a mess that he ain't going to bless or he ain't going to co-sign on, he going to snatch you out of it. He going to shut some doors because sometimes God's nose are blessings. Sometimes the door being shut is a blessing. Sometimes you constantly running into this brick wall over and over and over and over. It's God's way of saying it ain't for you. So you can keep trying to go back to that mess, but it, that mess ain't going to get blessed. God can bless a mess, but it's got to be a mess he going to co-sign on. And certain things that we tie ourselves to, certain relationships that we go into, certain experiences that we want to experience, certain things that we decide to do ourselves and we get ourselves into a mess. Yeah, no, 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 no. God does have to come in and put a stop to it. So. Like the children of Israel, it literally says that they wanted to go back. You want to go back? You want to go back to being a slave for what? The process is uncomfortable. It's too much. And then you must, they forgot you. You know, I'm not speaking for God, but it's like this. Y'all called out to him. Your sorrows, you all are, are crying and the pain is so loud that the heavens hear the pain of what they were feeling y'all prayed for this y'all wanted to be out of here so here i come i'm sending you a servant i'm sending you a prophet and you want to go back think of someone in your life who's either in your life currently or maybe you might have pushed them away who was who was coming you may not have known that god sent that person to come and take you from that land of oppression to lead you to a land flowing of milk and honey because you would have rather have gone back. There's two people in my life, a woman, an old friend of mine, her mother, blessed me and allowed me to move with her and live with her, literally taking me from my place of bondage to a new place. And it's in this place, this is the place where I found Jesus, right? Had it not been, I could have easily pushed that woman away. I could have easily been like, I ain't going. Uh-uh. Or when I did go, I could have easily, and look, I actually, matter of fact, I did. I said, oh, no, 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 this is too much. I'm in a new state. I can't do this. I don't know nobody. This is too much. It was uncomfortable. And so I kept telling myself, oh, it's okay. I'm going to go back to my hometown because this this is too much girl what no what was too much was the psychiatric hold facility that you were in on drugs because that's what they do there they drug you when you're in these places I'm sorry I gotta be very 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 honest with you guys this is my testimony that was a dark place for me here I am in a beautiful state I'm in the sunshine state Anything I was tied to physically no longer was in my presence, but process would have it be eventually God would allow that not only am I not physically tied to these things, but spiritually I will be no longer tied to these things. Emotionally, I will no longer be tied to these things or people or places or experiences. I didn't want that at the time. I'm like, no, but God, when you stay and you wait on God, 
He rewards the wait. He rewards those who are faithful even when they can't seem to see the end. He rewards those who remember what they prayed for and then stand firm in it, whether they see it or not. It's the belief. The last episode we talked about faith. It's the faith that's going to help see you through. Nothing more and nothing less. I get frustrated reading the children of Israel's story. And then the spirit's like, girl, that's you. And I'm like, oh, you're right. That is me. That's for sure me. That's definitely me. Because it was like this hamster wheel cycle with the children of Israel. They just could not seem to get it together. I'm like, when is y'all going to get to this place that God promised Abraham back in the beginning of time? Y'all playing. Y'all really playing. Then, then, then (laughs) it got to the point where they were afraid of God's voice. God would speak to them. But when he spoke, obviously it's God. It's he spoke and it was like lightning and thunder. And so that terrified them. Now, honestly, I'm not going to fault them. That probably would have scared me as well. So eventually they tell Moses that they don't want to hear God speak to them directly. They prefer that God speaks to Moses. And then Moses tells them what God said. Because of the God we serve, okay, gives us the desires of our heart, okay. He, from that point on, only spoke to Moses because that's the way that the children of Israel wanted it to be. Has God ever spoke to you? And you're like, mm, I'm scared. Or, oh, God, no, that that wasn't your, oh, you know it's him, but you're like, no, 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 not now, not now. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm scared. It's too much. I can't do it. mm because this is how we are i mean the illustration of the children of children of israel being led from egypt to uh this new land it's the best illustration ever because this is real life this is us in real life we ask god for something pre and it could be either prematurely you weren't ready for it you got what you it says ask and you shall receive that's not that's literal ask and you shall receive you got to be careful what you're asking god for or we ask it's not that we prematurely ask god we know what we ask god but then we don't want to wait it's like we want it now like god i want it now like it needs to be now completely trump trying at least trying to trump the process but it doesn't matter if you go the right way or you take the long way eventually process has to happen because if you don't allow process to run its course you will stay in this place in which you need deliverance from you see the children of israel needed to be delivered from that oppression and being slaves that's a need that's a necessity you should not ever no human on earth should ever be a slave the only person you should be a slave to is jesus christ himself period a bond servant of christ meaning you are a slave to christ i'd rather be a slave in heaven than a slave in hell any day and for them to have told god or to have complained because the process had become too much it's like i want to sit here and say that's crazy but then the spirit shows me Aaliyah, that was you and not just then when I left from my hometown and moved to my new town, but even still sometimes now today, Aaliyah, that's you. I said, oh God, this is an on-time word because this, this is it. This is what people need. We need truth. Truth, yes, it hurts sometimes. Yes, it's scary sometimes, but it's needed. It is necessary. You don't need to be a slave to that oppression anymore. You don't need to, you no longer need to be a slave to fear, oppression, to that relationship, to that partnership, to that marriage. If it's not healthy, if you are a slave to something that's not, bring, it, it just doesn't make sense. So it's important to not only pray with intent, but remember what you prayed for. Step three, once you've prayed and you're remembering and, you know, once we get we got that down, you got to be still. Because this is the thing, the reason that Abraham would be proclaimed as a righteous man, because he was, Abraham was a righteous man, is because he believed God 
as an old man, he was old, y'all. He was old. I'm talking like grandparent old, older probably than your grandparent. Okay. When God came to him and, and made covenant with him and then promised him that he is going to um, make his name great amongst many nations and he was going to bore a child. Abraham at first probably thought it was crazy, but then it says that he believed God and it was accounted for on behalf of him as righteousness. Because when you, when God can come to you and say, hey, look, in about five years, this is what it's going to be. I mean, he probably did. Let me not even put a timeline on it. But this is what it is. He makes a promise to you. Okay, God, I don't see it. I don't really necessarily know how you're going to do it. But you know what, God? I believe you. That's righteousness. You're operating now. You're operating in faith. Okay, God, I believe you. My kids, they're really cutting up. I'm talking to the point of like no return. I'm talking to the point, God, where I am losing my everlasting mind. But God, I believe you. You said there's light at the end of the time. I believe it. God, I'm so broke. I can't rub two pennies together. But you said I'm going to be okay. I don't know how, God, I'm going to be okay. And I'm this flat broke, which is causing me not to be okay. But if you saying I'm going to be okay, God, then that's... I'm okay. God, I'm in this marriage. This man is on my nerves or this woman is on my nerves. This marriage no longer makes me happy. This marriage is no longer beneficial. But God, if you said it's going to be okay, then okay, God, I, it's, I, I'm going to be okay. God, I'm depressed. I am stressed out. Like God, the world is it's like turned upside down. Again, I don't know which way's up. I don't know which way's down. I'm like Mr. Krabs in the meme. I'm looking in every which direction. But if then you come and you say it's going to be okay, God, then it's going to be. That's the, that's the way Abraham operated. Okay. All right. I believe you. Boom. That's, 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 that's the only way you're going to get out of Egypt. I.e. your place of oppression or slavery is the only way. So now that we've thought about where is this place of oppression. You got to allow God to bring you out of that place. But you have to understand that in bringing you from one place to another, there's a process in between the two. So you have to be still. God told me the other day, be still. This is what I did not do, or this is actually what I did not know. I didn't know that in being still, you have to be quiet. No idea whatsoever. Not not a clue. So I'm like, okay. And when I say be still, I want y'all to be following me in spirit. When you can have, when you have control, when you allow the spirit to lead you, Everything else follows your emotion, you physically, and by that I mean your mouth, your thoughts, stuff like that, okay? Because your 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 thoughts can be considered sinful. Even if you don't say something, it's that God knows he's an all-knowing God. He knows every, he hears our, our thoughts. Me, I heard be still in the spirit. Okay, God, I'm gonna be still. I was still going off. It's like the Lord's like, how didn't I just tell you to be still? If I say be still, that don't mean talk. That don't mean announce. That don't mean go off. You can't be going off. I just told you to be still. But I'm like, and let me be real with y'all. You could be real with God. God don't do. First of all, God knows everything. He doesn't do well with fake. Come to God as if you come to God as trifling for a better lack of words as you are, because he can deal with the real your real mess than your fake, which you try to dress up and make it look good or sound good or be cute. Okay. So, like, I have an attitude problem that I need to be delivered from. That's one of my places of, that's one of my Egypts, if you will, my attitude. I got an attitude. I want to say something. I want to talk. But that's how our emotions be having us. I want to say something. I want to talk. I have to react. I need to clap back. I want to go off. Uh -uh, I didn't tell you, but I didn't tell you to do it. I told you to be still, which means you got to be quiet. It says trials and tribulations will come. Meaning people going to try you in the midst of this process, in the midst of me trying to get you from A to Z. I need you to be still and know that I am God. 
I said, oh, shoot, I missed it. Are you serious? I missed it. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46 and 10. I got to be shh. So when somebody say something to me, it don't matter. If I feel some type of way, it really don't matter. It's not that it that God does not care, but he has something far greater than whatever we could ever think, ask, or imagine. The problem that the children of Israel had is they did not know how to be still. They did not know how to be quiet. They had little faith. They never shut up. All they did was complain. Now, your life might not be what you wanted to be, but you woke up this morning with breath in your lungs. Some people are so oppressed that they don't want to wake up with breath in their lungs. They actually think that they prefer to be dead. But you asking for that. Are you right, right with Christ? Don't have the enemy have you thinking that you are so down bad that you'd rather be dead than dealing with what you're dealing with. Oh, no, no. No, no. Oh, no, absolutely not. Your life is worth something to God. Matter of fact, not only is it worth something, there's a promise tied to it. A promise that God not never going to forget. The promise God made to Abraham in Genesis is the same pro promise that stood when Jesus graced the earth. Is the same promise that stood even after Jesus died and then or after Jesus was crucified and then resurrected. That same promise still stood because when God makes a promise, he don't revert on his promise. It still stands. And he's just asking us to believe, have faith, trust, be still, be silent, and just go and just go. Just just walk. Just allow the process to run its course. So now that we know our place of bondage, where's your place of milk and honey? Are you trusting God as he takes you out of the place, as out of this place of bondage to this new place? Are you allowing your circumstances to cause you to forget what you've asked God for. When you ask God for something, ask with pure intent and be real specific. And what I'm learning is when you pray for something, you can have an expectation on that prayer. An example, God, you said be angry and not to sin. That is written. You said I could you said I could be angry, God, but you told me not to sin. There's a but. Don't just don't just follow one half of the scripture. Get the whole thing. It says be angry, but do not sin. Okay, God. So I, that's what you said. So God, my kids is getting on my ever, everlasting nerve. I want to cuss them out. But to curse is it's a sin cuz he says to watch what comes out of our mouth. Don't defile the mouth. This is the same mouth you use to pray. This is the same mouth you have to use to speak with God. So you got to be careful what you're saying. Okay, God, so I don't want to sin. These people trying me. They trying me at my job. They trying, you know, my husband trying me in this marriage. My kids trying me at the house. The people trying me in the world. I'm being real, real try. You telling me not to sin. I'm going to listen to what you say. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to be still. I'm going to be angry, but I'm not going to sin. <clears throat> but Lord, I expect to see some change in these kids. Like if I'm going to live right, I expect to see something got to come to pass. Something got to shake. Something got to give. These bills need to be paid, God. I'm waiting. Okay, that's cool. I'm away. I'm away. I'm waiting. And I'm, but God, something got to shake. Like something got to give. If I'm going to wait, eventually, God, I do have an expectation that something has to happen. I want to see your great signs, your wonders. I want to see it. So eventually, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I am expecting something to come through after this. Like the children of Israel had an expectation that like, well, they were entitled. Okay. But <clears throat> I'm sure they expected, okay, so Moses, you came to Egypt. You took us out of Egypt. We are lost in this wilderness place. Like they had an expectation of where is this so-called place that was promised to our fathers? Because we don't see it yet. They had an expectation. The problem was if you got an expectation of God, you got to know and understand he will have an expectation of you. We can't have, we can't ask God for all these things and not expect this is a relationship. Like your worldly relationships, it's the same thing with God in the spirit. It's a two-way street. He has expectations of us. We have expectations of him. And so we have to be willing to be 
led by him, by his hand. And it's okay to be real with God and let him know what it is and how you feel. But also understanding that if we have expectations of him, that it obviously has to be the same on this side. So like for me personally, I sacrificed a few things after I gave my life to Christ. But what I didn't know is that I could have expectations. The other day I heard in the spirit, what are your expectations of God? You guys, I literally sat there and I was like thinking I was going to have an answer. And I'm like, oh, wait, I don't even know. That's the problem. We kind of don't even know. We just be praying amiss. You asking amiss. You asking and don't even really know what you're asking for. You're asking and you're praying, but you're not even believing in what you're praying for. No, stamp that prayer. Seal it with an expectation. And then wait. Once you've prayed with intent and then you're continually remembering what you prayed for. And now we're being still. We're trusting and we're waiting with expectation that whatever it is we've prayed for, we will see it come to pass. I was just watching a little Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey, it was kind of like one of those... um feel good messages. And he said that you have not because you ask not. That's actually a scripture in the Bible. So anything you're lacking, have you asked the father for? You're lacking these things. You don't have it. Have you asked? You can have expectations of God. That's totally perfectly fine. But you got to understand that it will happen in his timing, in his will, the way he wants it to happen because he knows what's best for us. The attitude has to be different. Your stance, your posture. I'm always talking about that on this podcast. Our spiritual posture, it has to be different. So just as the spirit of God asked me, what are my expectations of him? What are your expectations of God? I'll leave you with that. And more, you know, not more importantly, but also think about where is your Egypt, your place of oppression, that a place that you know you need deliverance from, a place that you know you can't get out of or let go of on your own, that you know you need God's help for. And then remembering once you have identified that place, praying that God helps to uh, deliver you from that place. But also remembering that there's going to be a process. And during the process, don't forget what you prayed for. You ever prayed for something and then it came to fast, pass, and now we're on the next thing. Like, okay, but now God, I want that, 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 And then you start complaining. Don't forget where God brought you from. Don't do that. Do not do that. Remember. Remember. And then now as we're in process, be still and know that he is God and know that he got your back. And guys, I know it's hard. I'm literally a living, I'm living it right now. It's not the easiest thing. It's real. It's absolutely not. I'm not even going to lie to you guys. I'm not preaching to y'all. I'm preaching to us. And as you're being still and silent and only speaking, if God asks you to speak, (laughs) remember what Or I mean, trust in the Lord. Because without trusting God, you have nothing. It says faith without works is dead. But also there's no point in praying for something if you ain't believing in what you're praying for. Deuteronomy 26. Read in Deuteronomy 26 and I'm going to read the scripture starting at 14. It says, I have not eaten any of it when I'm, when I have not eaten any of it when in mourning, nor have I removed any of it for an unclean use, nor have I given any of it to the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, my God, and I have done according to all that you have commanded me. I'm going to leave you guys with that. 
because what that's saying is I remember God. I didn't get shaky when when time started to get hard, when things started to look different. I actually chose to walk by faith, not by sight. I chose to keep God's commandments. I chose to be righteous. I chose that even in the midst of the storm to believe that there is that the sun will shine, that I will see the light at the end, that I will be able to be brought from my or this place of bondage and oppression to a place much better to the promised land flowing with milk and honey. This is Shades of Jay, and until next time. Thank you so much for tuning in with me this week we will return next wednesday at eight o'clock p.m that will be eastern standard time we do post weekly uploads you can find shades of j the podcast on instagram at shades.jay we hope that you all stop by next week for our next episode see you then